Mama. Welcome back to Matrescence Awakening with Kieran Lee. I'm your host, Kieran. Thank you so much for being here. I am so honored to be in your ears, joining you with whatever you're doing today as you tune into this episode. I am really, really excited today to talk about some money mindset stuff because this is something that I see so often with women in my community, especially when we go from working in corporate jobs, running businesses, and then we take time off and move into more of that stay-at-home mother role and the challenges and the blocks that can come up around really investing in ourselves to grow, to do things that we love, to buy ourselves clothes instead of always buying our kids clothes. And so I really wanted to bring more of this money mindset conversation to you. And so I have invited the beautiful Nicole Alessius onto the podcast today to chat about all things money mindset. So Nicole is an economist, a money mindset coach and speaker who is passionate about helping women find their voice so they can have easier money conversations firstly with themselves and secondly with those around them. Nicole believes in the nourishment of women and communities and supports socially minded women to have easier money conversations through money mindset coaching. Nicole predominantly supports women in business and believes that when women lean in and connect with their true value that they provide, they start charging confidently and money flows and entire communities benefit from their generosity. She supports her clients through setting a clear and achievable strategy, which is in alignment with their unique money personality. So although Nicole primarily focuses on women in business, she has so much wisdom to share around money mindset. And that's why I really want to chat to her today. So Nicole, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm really excited to dive into this because money mindset stuff is something that I'm really actively working on myself at the minute. There's a lot of challenges and blocks there that I'm finding come up that I'm having to work through. And so this is really, really topical for me myself, but also I know it's really going to serve the community as we kind of tune into this. So firstly, I would love to kind of chat about this change in mindset that might come for women as as they move from more of that either corporate role, like really actively running a business and then move into more of that stay-at-home mum role. It might just be that maternity leave. They might decide to stay at home longer. But just from you and the work that you do in this space, what are some of those shifts that women might be seeing or experiencing that are quite common when we start to change the way that we either earn money or we stop earning money as we move into motherhood? Totally. So what I see amongst the women I support, the women who are mamas, is obviously a big shift in priorities. So suddenly pre-children, the measure of success was status and the metric of money. And the metrics then start to expand. I had a client recently tell me the next step in her career was the C-suite, so chief people officer. And she has two little children. And she said, Nicole, I don't actually want that anymore. She felt a bit like she transformed. There was a big shift had happened inside of her. She goes, I, I want to pick up my kids from school. And she goes, it's okay, they're little now. We're working from home. We've got kinder. Um, and a bit of daycare and I am at home but stepping into that C-suite level role is far more demanding and she goes I want to take my kids to birthday parties I want to pick them up but I want to see them for an hour and dinner and bath time and put them to bed it's a really transformational time for her to really defend her desire from moving from that ambitious career woman to now going 
no, I really want to own my role as mama and this is how I want to do it. And I now want to create an environment that's conducive to me being the mother that I want. I don't yet have children of my own, Karen. I've got nieces and nephews. But what I notice is motherhood is a different form of leadership. And women really have a visual of the type of mother that they want to be. And I feel like there comes a point either before the children are born or as they're growing where the mother goes, no, I'm, I'm now ready to be that mother that I want to be. Not the mother that my mother was, not the mother that society thinks I should be, not the mother that gender norms are telling me I can be today. I actually want to be the mother that I want to be. And how do I create an environment so that I can be the mother that I want to be? And when we say environment, how do we create that financial environment that enables me to be the mother that I want to be? So what that often looks like is the metric of time is expanded from just looking at money and success as the only metric to then suddenly looking at what we call the wealth of time. So suddenly the wealth of time has a lot more value. So people are asking me, how can I create a business and a lifestyle where I have more time for my children and my family? And what does that lifestyle look like? Yeah, and I guess where we're trying to place time as that metric, but actually we're told by society that a mother's time isn't really that valuable. So there's these competing forces or competing beliefs about where our worth lies when we move into motherhood. And so do you see a lot of women who tie a lot of worth to the amount of money that they can make and that they can bring in? And if that either dips or changes or lowers, there is that kind of impact on the way that that they view themselves as a woman or a working woman? Women coming into my space are, they're quite self-empowered and self-led and they see their value quite clearly. And they want to know how they can be that mother and that businesswoman, but they're also patient with themselves. If you imagine like a Venn diagram, you start with one circle, which is your life before motherhood, And then the circle overlaps slightly and it's your life as a mother. And it's like, what does that in-between look like where the two circles cross over? And it's creating the value of what the in-between looks and feels like for you. So when I'm working with mothers, I do business and mindset coaching, but I always say your family comes first. Like at every iteration, your family always comes first. And your business comes third or fourth. It's always family first. And you create a business so that it can support you to put family first, not the other way around. And I think once you give yourself permission, right, once you give yourself permission to go, hang on a minute, this is what's really important to me. And I don't care what society says about motherhood. I don't care what society says about women should be able to do it all. I don't care what anyone else says When I stay in my own lane and I look in my own backyard and I get really true with myself, this is what I want. This is what's really important to me. And what's really important to me is that I want to have more time with my children. I want to offer my children a better life than what I had. I want to lead by example with my children. And when you start ironing out those values, 
and you start going, hang on, these are things that are important to me and you're giving those desires a voice irrespective of what you were taught, irrespective of what society tells you. And then you go in and you defend your desire and you create an environment that's supportive to those desires. Things feel differently. So the first step really is getting clear on who you want to be. So I had a client, her mum worked all the time, different shifts. She was a nurse, night shift and nurses work extremely long hours. And her mother was absent from the home when she was growing up. And she's now got babies of her own. And she said, Nicole, I want a lifestyle where I'm available for my babies. She's also a nurse, actually, which is really fascinating. And she's gone into her own business to create more time freedom because nursing doesn't offer time freedom, unfortunately. And although she saw that and she experienced that growing up, and she's got a whole family who are nurses. So it's her environment. It's like, that's just that's just how it's done. You work your 12-hour shifts and your kids grow up and that's just how it is. She actually said, she goes, I don't want that. So she has a side business. She works a couple of days a week, fully booked to her. Looks very different to say what fully booked might look to someone who's got children in high school or perhaps someone who doesn't have children at all. She's about to have a, a newborn and she's got an under two-year-old. So she's in the throes of little people. And I think what I'm what I'm trying to highlight here is she got really clear on what her desire is. And her desire is she loves to work, but she wants to do it on her terms, in her way. And I think a big part is feeling safe in your expression, feeling safe to say, hang on, this is what I want, despite what makes sense, despite what everybody around me is doing despite what other women are doing I worked in a corporate environment Karen where women had babies and they came back to work three weeks later it makes you go oh my goodness wow I was in my 20s at that time and I thought wow that's a lot and if you do that there's nothing wrong with that either some people go I want to go back to work I don't want to be knee deep in newborn life and there's nothing wrong with anything and I think it's just going what do I want what do I desire and how can I make that okay? How can I give myself full permission? And when we say full permission, how can I step from self-judgment about my desires? Because perhaps they don't fit into what I've been told or what the norms are or what everybody else is doing. And step out of self-judgment and into complete and radical self-love about my desires. And then from here, start to create. Yeah, there's, wow, there's so many ways I could go with everything that you've just shared. But firstly, want to acknowledge what you said about like it is okay to go back to work after three weeks if that's what you want. But I would just so encourage like is that truly what you want? And like you say, connecting in with those desires because if it's just what you see as expected or the norm and you're doing it because you feel like you should, of course we don't want that. So that's why I kind of coming back to that real base level of connecting in with like what do I want to create for my life and how do I want to connect with that and how do I want to live in with those values as so deeply important absolutely. because otherwise we do start to outsource that self-worth whether it is in how much we're earning or any other external factor that might come into play there but yeah just really touching on that that comparison piece I think is a really really big one because it can be so easy to just to see little elements and aspects of people's lives if they're buying the newest things or going on holidays or always dressed well or 
being able to bring in more support through maybe doulas or cleaners and and really beat ourselves up that maybe we're not there or we can't do that or money's too hard. And that that comparison can just come so easily. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think it's about understanding and leveraging the resources that you do have and also being clear on the resources that you might desire. What do you desire? And again, that comes back to that self-expression piece and going, desire is like dreaming it's free right you don't have to pay to dream and we're not actively encouraged to sit in a space of desire all the time so it's feed everybody else and serve yourself last especially as mothers i'm greek i've seen my mother serve everybody and serve herself last so from a cultural perspective that's something that i saw growing up the first steps first is get desiring and and get really clear on what you do desire. And desire is different to a need, right? A need is like a basic human need, like you need something to survive. A desire is above a need. It's like excess. And it's like, am I giving myself permission to play in excess? Am I giving myself permission to play in the, the potentiality of what could be possible for me? Do I want someone to come and cook dinner? five times a week like what do I want like what do I desire rather what do I desire because obviously you don't need someone to come and cook dinner five nights a week you might not need a cleaner you're not going to die but what do I desire and then from there going I'm okay with my desires and here's the thing like I feel like it's such a pivotal time for women now there's so much available to us and for so many women that there can be pressure with, well, if there's all this opportunity available to me and I'm not I'm not leveraging it or I'm not seizing it, is something wrong with me? And again, it comes back to what do you desire? Because if you desire something really simple and really easeful and you're okay with that, then what everybody else is doing is irrelevant, right? So my my client who is about to go on maternity leave. She could really, if she chose to, before maternity leave, really crank up her marketing and her sales. She said to me, Nicole, I actually can't be bothered. That's what her words were to me. She goes, I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of tapping out. She's getting ready for her birth. So now we're supporting her, that mindset of it's family first. She's not sure if she wants to come back one call a month or if she doesn't want to come back for three months, she doesn't know what awaits her. So she's just creating that spaciousness and she's given herself full permission to do that it would be quite stressful if she was looking at other people in the industry who have had babies and they had the baby and resumed their online business the week later and there's nothing wrong with that either right I feel like our desires are as unique as our DNA and if you're trying to make your desire the same as someone else's it's like trying to make your DNA the same as someone else's like it's not possible so that's why I feel like it's really important to ground into your personal power understand your desire and ground into your self-expression and then move from that place of deep self-love. So Nick, giving ourselves that permission can be so hard mm-hmm. when there's so much going on. And like you say, you can go out and and be comparing to what everyone else is doing to actually be able to sit back and go, I'm just really going to allow my energy to be here and be present instead of having to go out and try and do stuff because I feel like I need to be bringing money in or because I feel like that's the way that I'm going to be able to contribute to the family. 
Yes. Because what I there's a there's a common story that I hear with my clients is that mm-hmm. they're not contributing to their family, so they don't like spending the money. For example, where I come and tell them that they are doing so much for the family, and Absolutely. it is it's not necessarily tied to that dollar value that they're bringing in or not bringing in. That there's so much to it. So, how do you support your clients if they do have this desire that they've tapped into, but that they're struggling to give themselves the permission to actually embrace that instead of feeling like they need to keep pushing? I think firstly is about really understanding your value in the role and the season that you're in. We change Mm. life seasons all the time. If we're thinking of mothers, there are seasons when they're a mother of a newborn and there's seasons when you're a mother of a toddler or there's seasons when you become a mother and so on and so forth and then you're an empty nester and all of these seasons. And I think firstly it's about understanding and deeply appreciating the season that you're in you are shaping the next generation right motherhood is leadership really and you are really shaping the next generation and I see that as such a profound role and it doesn't matter how I see it it's how the individual sees it and I think that's where sometimes you might need support to expand the vision of what motherhood is, right? And that's where you want to make sure you're getting the support from that you see your value and you feel your value. It's one thing to see it and go, yeah, yeah, I get it, but I don't feel it. Like you want to feel your value. And if you're not feeling your value, it's like, okay, what do I need to shift? What do I need to reframe? Because stories are coming up around that I don't feel like this, that I'm doing enough. Is that true? Are you not doing enough? Okay. Is that a story or a fact? No, it's a story. Okay. So how can we rewrite that story? How can we talk back to that fear? Why are you doing enough? If that's a story, talk back to it. I am doing enough because I do this, I do that. And and I'm also getting to know myself. My whole body's been through a big transformation. My cells are being upgraded. I'm raising that next generation human. I'm in a new terrain with no manual, no support, no no IT department to ask how to work for this equipment. And giving yourself credit and really celebrating everything you are doing. You heard that saying like you can't like hate yourself to where you want to be. You know, like mm. they use it a lot in like, you know, the diet and exercise industry. You can't be like, oh, I, I hate my body. I, I hate it and I want to be skinny. You have to appreciate where you are first. And when you d- deeply appreciate who you are, you then start to move from self-love, not self-loathing. Moving from self-loathing is a very dangerous space to move from. Women who don't see themselves as contributors, it's like, why not? And someone says, my partner doesn't see me or my partner makes me feel shit or whatever, which I've heard come up a couple of times. And it's often the woman that might see herself in that light, but the actual partner is really supportive. But it's a story that the woman has told herself that, she's not bringing home the money so to speak that she's not worthy so it's really connecting with the value of the season that you're in right now and going what makes me valuable here right now today what is my value and it's like who would you be if you're removed from the home that you're in where would that home be where would that baby be where would that family be and I'm telling you right now if you took mothers out of homes I think things would be pretty rough so call yourself a leader, a doctor, a project manager, a, a mother, a partner, a, a cleaner, a, a counsellor, a businesswoman, a strategist, a coach, a nurse. Like there are so many roles that that woman 
wears and it's about you fleshing that out for yourself again if we go back to your unique dna and going which resonates the most for me right now where i can really anchor into and go yeah i feel really good i feel really powerful i feel really appreciative of the season that i'm in right now and i also know that nothing is permanent right there's absolutely nothing that's permanent i i love that and i loved that little part that you said that we sometimes need support in expanding that vision of yes. motherhood yes because what I see that can sometimes be experienced is women coming in thinking that they are going to be a certain version of a mum and then they get into being a mum and it's like a completely different version and it can become so all-consuming and narrow-minded but actually there's so much more to the vision of motherhood that couldn't be tapped into and really noticed and and I also love about <laughs> when we think about all of the hats and all of the roles that a woman is within motherhood, yeah. like let's start n- noting down the annual salary for all of those things. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and being, yeah, being appreciated in that role. I remember when it was a couple of months or maybe like three or four or five months after I separated from the girl's dad. And I remember he said to me one day, oh my God, I have so much life admin to do now. And I was like, yeah, damn straight you do. Like Joe was carrying all of that. And I did it without even thinking because I'm I'm generally more an organized person. Like I like to be in control. I do all of those things, but it takes so much load off the other person, whether you choose to do it, whether you enjoy doing it or not. The fact is, is that you're taking that load off someone else, whether it be your children, your partner, Yes. other people around you that you support we we carry so much and if we don't see that as valuable then yeah there's going to constantly be this like you say self-loathing of I'm not doing enough I'm never doing enough yes but really starting to look and and see like holistically what are you actually contributing and it's so much absolutely and so I would love to kind of bring this into a bit more of a conversation around things like investing in ourselves I would just love to hear you speak to that and and your experiences around that so if you're choosing to you know invest in yourself it's about asking yourself what are you wanting to achieve and typically when people do invest they are investing in a transformation a new identity so if you think about this is a really random example but I feel like it's just a really obvious one if you think of like when people buy designer handbags there's an identity shift that comes when you invest in a designer handbag right you become known as someone with that designer handbag who likes that particular brand. And it's no different whether we're investing in coaching, support, anything that's tangible or intangible. It's about identifying what identity shift am I hoping to achieve here? And that goes back to the desires and the DNA and who do I want to be? So we want to make sure that your investment in self aligns with those desires of who you want to be. So your investment could be an investment in yourself or it could be I really want to invest in a cleaner because I know if I've got a cleaner, I'll feel X, Y, Z and I'll feel elevated and I'll have more time to be present with my children because the house will be cleaner and I'll be the identity of that present mother. That's my desire. And now I want support. So I'm going to invest to help me become her. So when we're looking at investing, it's really saying, are you ready to become her? And when you're ready to become her, it's about going, what are some investments that I may need support with? And then deciding which feels 
the most feasible option for you to take straight away. So it might be a little short course. It might be a cleaner once a week. And just dipping your toe in and going, okay, how does it feel when I have that opportunity to feel into her? Oh, that felt really good. Okay, I did that course. I'm going to do a little bit more now. Okay, I feel myself becoming her. Now, where there might be resistance to investing, it's an opportunity for self-inquiry. I would look at that and say, are you ready? Am I ready to become her? Typically, the answer will be yes. And it's like, well, what's in the way? What, what feels like it's in the way? And for some people, it's money. It's not, not the right time financially, which is completely okay, right? That's separate to mindset mm-hmm. resistance. But where there might be an element of, I'm not sure if I can be her, that's when we want to inquire. It's like, I'm afraid I can't be her. It's like, why? Because I've never seen an example of her anywhere else around me. We say her, that version of you, that mother that you want to be. I've never seen an example of her around me. And that can feel really scary for women mm-hmm. because they're going, well, everyone else does it this way. Who do I think I am to wanting to do it another way? What if I invest this money and my fear is proven to be true and I can't be her, then I've wasted all this money. And in those moments, in those moments, Kieran, that's where it is so important to go in and really defend your desire and go, why not me? And just starting somewhere. I love that so, so much because this big part of matrescence is feeling like we've had this huge shakeup in every part of our life and almost stepping into a new identity, although I don't like to kind of talk about it as a new identity, but more this evolution, Mm. this transformation, because who you are doesn't have to disappear. It's not an old you and a new you. It's just a new version. And so really tapping into what is what is that desire here? And, and I love how you say, why not me? And it can be really challenging when we've never seen it before. We haven't yes. seen what we want to actually go out and then be like, I'm going to be the person to make this happen for myself. Yes. And I so deeply believe that support along the way is essential for that because that yes. can be a really challenging terrain to navigate. Yes. And the support can look however that needs to look for you. And that means tapping into and understanding what do I need right now, which is really self-driven and self-led to understanding that, which you know means that that internal journey. And something that's kind of supported me as I'm starting to shift my money mindset and, and how I spend my money and invest my money is saying that instead of I can't afford it, it's it's that that's not a priority for me right now. Yes. And that really, really shifts the way that I connect in with things. So for example, I'm I'm on a big health journey right now and supplements, I spend so much money on supplements. And I could just so easily keep telling myself, I can't afford it, I can't afford it, and spending money frivolously instead. But when I say it's not a priority for me to invest in my health, that really hits differently. Mm. So then I really start to prioritize my money differently to be able Mm. to show up for that version that I want to be because that version of me, she is healthy and she does prioritize herself and her movement and her nourishment. And so that really hits differently. And so I know that all kind of ties in together. Absolutely. Just owning your desires. Which is sometimes easier said than done. <laughs> oh, it absolutely can be. But it's be. about identifying first. and Absolutely. Yeah. Something I'd like to share is I remember having a client and she is very ambitious, has her own business and she had a baby and 
she was like, oh, I want to spend more time with my children. And she's very go, go, go. And then we got chatting in a few of our sessions and I said, do you like spending time with your children? And she looked at me and she goes, Nicole, I'm really bored. And she felt so guilty to say that. But she goes, I don't know like how many times I can have like pumpkin thrown at me. And she goes, oh my God, I feel so bad saying it. And I was like, don't feel bad. And she's like, I know I should be excited that I can have this time off to be with my child. And she goes, I need to stimulate my brain more. And I was like, that is okay as well. And I was like, this is such a safe space. Yes. She felt so guilty. She's like, I've got healthy children. How can I be bored by having two little non-speaking people who throw food at my face every day? And she goes, how many times can I throw the ball? And she goes, I'm just, I get really bored with them at home. She, she obviously then questioned whether or not that meant she was a bad mother right so she was doing it she goes but I don't she goes I don't always feel present she goes I'm wanting to be on my phone and do things for my business and she's an amazing mother by the way like all mothers are mothers are their own worst critics once she owned the fact that she didn't actually love parenting little baby toddlers but she was really excited when her kids are older and can communicate and can chat so we're just reframing this season for what it is and She's a very ambitious woman and she goes, I want my kids to have the best of everything. I want them to be in private schooling and have every resource that they might need because I didn't have that growing up. And when we're able to reframe that, her desire for work didn't make her a bad mother. And in fact, we're able to go, this foundation and this structure that you're building, which is an incredible passive income model, is going to afford your family and your children those luxuries that you actually weren't afforded when you were at school, be it braces or be it tutoring or be it extracurricular activities. And it was really interesting once we made that connection and we alchemized that fear, how really comfortable she felt being in the season of toddlerhood and she was okay with it. Whereas prior to that, she was spending quite a bit of time judging herself for going, why does everyone say this is so amazing? I'm not feeling it. Is something wrong with me? Making herself wrong. But she alchemized that and she realized how much of an incredible mother she actually is. And it's okay to enjoy different seasons of motherhood as well. And I'm not going to judge myself for not loving this current season. But I also know that nothing is ever permanent and things are always moving, right? We're not statues. We're dynamic human beings. Absolutely. And I think that story is really testament to the safety that you would create in your space when you support women because there would be women that feel that way and if they're asked that question within certain settings, they still wouldn't be able to admit to themselves or to anyone else that they're, they're bored or they're not loving that stage of motherhood. Yes. And so I just really wanted to acknowledge that because it can be extremely, extremely challenging and triggering for women to admit that they're not necessarily loving where they are in their motherhood journey. And I have shared a few times that, uh, of course, I love my children as we all do, but there's so much of the actual doing, the mothering part that I just despise. (laughs) And it is because it's so monotonous and it's in the same way that, you know, sometimes women can have that story that their worth is tied to their income. There can also be a story that their worth is tied to how much they love mothering. And so just really acknowledging that if you're kind of outsourcing that worth to either of those things or anything else, that that's really something to kind of reflect on and and just know that it's okay to love parts of it and really not enjoy other parts in whatever aspect, you know, of life we're looking at. 
Yes, absolutely. I would love to talk a little bit about the about the energetics of money in terms of the way that it flows as its own kind of entity, its own being and moves in and out of our lives. Mm, totally. I, I love looking at money like a person. It, it makes it really relatable. So as an example, as humans, how do we respond to environments where we feel deeply seen, safe, heard, appreciated, desired, entertained? How do we show up in those environments? Do we want to be in those environments? Yes, we do. Versus how do we feel about environments where we might feel judged, criticised, inadequate, bored? Do we want to show up in those environments? No, we don't. So when we're looking at money as a person, I love to ask people, how do you feel about money? How are you treating money? Are you making money feel loved, appreciated, seen? Or are you judging it? and telling it it's not good enough and saying, where are you? I do so much for you and you're still not showing up for me. Like what's your relationship with money, right? The same way that we'd look at a romantic relationship. And I feel when we look at it like that, it becomes really easy for us to see perhaps where there might be some areas where we could show more love in our relationship with money. Because here's the thing, what we focus on grows Money wants to be in your experience. We don't make money. There's a lot of language, and I've used this terminology a lot to make money. The only person who makes money is the money printing factory. And if you work there, yes, you, you make money. But otherwise, we create channels to receive money. So if you imagine that money is trying to get to you, it's like how can you open the windows to let it in? So if you imagine there's like a money storm outside your house, how could you open the windows to let it in? And does money want to come into your house, right, if it's a person? Or is it going to feel judged, criticised, inadequate? And think of us as women. Do we want to be around someone who makes us feel judged, criticised, inadequate? Hell no. We want to be around environments where we feel deeply seen, deeply loved and deeply appreciated. And what you'll find is as humans, the more we feel deeply seen, deeply loved and deeply appreciated, the more we go up and above people and money's the same so from an energetic perspective it's really about looking at your relationship with the money you have yes but also the things that money affords you so if you're walking around and you're like i hate my car i hate this car seat this bathroom so annoying or, i hate this renovation we, i knew we shouldn't have done that and you're in that like that disdain like it's just not good enough what what money did here was not mm. good enough. There's an energy there as well. Imagine someone going, I hate the way you've decorated this house. I hate what you've cooked. I hate what you've dressed the kids in. I hate it. Do you, do you want to be in that environment? No. That's how I look at money relationships and the energetic money relationship. It's like, what is your energy towards money? Mm. Is it filled with judgment or is it filled with love? essentially. I so deeply resonate with this because this has been a big part of the shift that I have started with money as well as I'm on my journey in looking at. For me, I was scared of money. I didn't want to look at my money. I didn't want to look at my accounts. I would rather just swipe and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. And that's not a way to build a relationship with someone. I wouldn't want to be in relation with someone if they felt scared of me or annoyed at me all the time or yes. telling me that I'm not doing enough or I'm not showing up yes. enough. Like, of course not. 
I was laughing with one of my friends because I, I, I feel the same way about my business in that is that my business is its own energetic entity and so is money. And I was laughing with one of my girlfriends who's not really like, she's not really into that kind of language and, and seeing the world in that way. I was like, I'm in a a polyamorous relationship with <laughs> me and my business and my money. <laughs> I just love like, oh, that. <laughs> I love how you've expressed but, that. You know, the three of us need to be in relation and I need to be seeing them as their own energy to be able to show up and, and build that and give it the time that it wants and give it the, the love and attention and commitment that it wants just as, as any other person would. And mm. that's what I've got the time for at the minute. That's what my priorities at the minute is really building the relationship with both of those energetic entities. So absolutely. I'm so glad that you went there with that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, absolutely. And look, money takes on whatever energy you assign it, but essentially money wants to be in your experience and it's about going how can i open the windows and opening the windows is essentially saying how can i make it safe for me to ask for more money how can i make it safe for me to receive more money and how can i make it safe for me to hold more money what are some of the common blocks and resistances that you would commonly see to women receiving more money uh, the hesitancy to ask for it. What stops women asking for more money is that fear of rejection. And we have a basic human need to belong. And that need is so deep that any possibility of rejection feels like such a direct threat to belonging. Women are incredible relationship builders, right? And selling is just about building relationships and inviting people in should they wish to continue right and women you don't need to be taught how to build trust we do that so naturally but it's taking it from that trust building relationship to then inviting people into the cell that women go oh I don't want to jeopardize a friendship oh I don't know if they might say no oh what are they going to think of me and essentially it's like the element of of asking so inviting people in mm. and I mean that would go for women in the corporate world as well once we kind of go yes. back after that maternity leave in potentially asking for pay rises or yes. asking for more benefits yes. or asking for more super or, or yes. whatever it is with that yes. that way that we receive money yes and it all ties down to that original DNA point which is self-expression it's like what do you desire and then we spoke about before about what do you desire as a mother and then creating that environment? And then if we apply those same tools here, it's sort of like, what do you desire from a money perspective? And how can we create that environment where it feels really safe and also exciting for you to have that conversation? And I think a big part of it is they don't have the tools on how to ask. It just feels really overwhelming. So they'd rather not ask. The idea of asking and asking so incorrectly means there's high possibility of rejection. So that threat factor goes up, right? So what I find is when women have these beautiful aligned tools of how to ask in a way that feels led with love, there's no harm in asking anyone anything. And what they say, a yes or a no, has no reflection on, on you or the individual, but it's about using language where you feel like you're in a position of service. And when you look at that and you go, do you want to share love with the world? And love is your energy, your essence. Do you want to share that? Do you want to lovingly share that? And you go, well, yeah, I'd love to share love. That's a very different energy. You are sharing 
your essence, your energy, your elixir from an energetic perspective. It's about getting really clear on your asking. Asking is the beginning of receiving. Something that I find that can be really challenging is the idea that we're selling our mind our ideas. Do you kind of work with and notice some resistance around what we are offering and how that can be a block to what we're receiving and whether that's in corporate or in in a business where where we're doing that same sort of thing, but the the difference between the tangible and the non-tangible when it comes to women and, and the work that we offer and the value that we offer through our minds. Essentially, it's that fear of rejection coming up again. And I think what's important here, there's a couple of elements. From a strategy element, it's about really harnessing the transformation that you're providing and understanding that you're a conduit to a message that's coming through you. What people choose to do with that, the application of that knowledge and that message is up to the individual. So we want to make sure that you're grounded in your transformation and what is possible from your transformation. But your client's growth can't exceed their mindset. So what does that mean? It means that people have different capacities to apply and leverage different tools and resources that they're given for various reasons. They might not have time. They might not have the capacity or the capability. And it's about appreciating that everybody's different and that somebody's success is not reflective of you. It's like, your bikini body guides, people get different results based on their fitness abilities, their time abilities, the way they like to overload themselves at the gym, weights wise, everybody gets a different result based on their own personal capacity. So I'll be again saying it's about grounding back in to your personal power, getting really clear on the transformation that you can provide and remembering there are no guarantees with anything. This has been so so insightful thank you for bringing your knowledge and your wisdom on this topic to the podcast today if women are in business and they're looking to have more support around their their money mindset and would love to connect with you what do you have on offer at the minute in terms of how you're supporting women and where can where's the best place to find you yes i hang out over on instagram so feel free nicole alessios feel free to come over and DM me. And how I support women at the moment is through Intimate Mastermind. So I'm all about safe, intimate spaces, which as you can probably hear, we go quite quite deep and one-to-one. So they're my core offerings, Intimate Mastermind and one-to-one. And I also have some messaging and sales programs coming up as well. Fab. And if you could just tell us a little bit about your money personality quiz as well, is that something that's suitable for women that are just in business or is that going to give some insight for women who are just like either on maternity leave or not planning to go back to work anytime soon, but want to really start to understand their money mindset more? Totally. So my money personality quiz, it's for everyone, really. I really feel like this is work that everyone should do. And it's about understanding that there are eight money personalities and we each have all eight within us, but it's our top three that really showcases where our money gifts lie and also where our potential money self-sabotages lie. So there's a free quiz where you get to know your money personality. And if you'd like to scratch the surface a little bit more, there is also a mini course where it goes through and explains the money gifts, the money challenges and how to create what we call sacred money alignment 
include so many personalities. So DM, DM me if you want to know more about that. I'll link all of that in the show notes yes. as well. So easy access there. Yes. Thank you so much for being here again. And pleasure. thank you to you, dear listener, for sticking with us through this episode. We would love to see where you're listening to us from. So feel free to take a screenshot and tag both of us. Those links will be in the show notes for our Instagram. We would love to hear from you and see what you have taken out of this episode. Thanks for being here and until next time, see you later.